Coming up, we take a deeper dive on the Ben Simmons market value with speculation that the Nets, in fact, have tried to shop him entering this offseason. Are there potential veteran trade targets that could bolster this roster as well? We dive in on a Friday coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of GFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. From DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Armrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast and your New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms and allow myself to reintroduce myself, Doug Norrie, out of the weeds and into the clear. Just happy to have you back, buddy, as we uh, dive in on some Ben Simmons chat. Buddy, we're out of sickness jail and ready to rock this thing. Got put in the, uh, you know, the infirmary, the, the, uh, the literal and figurative <laughs> infirmary, infirmary there for the time being. But that's okay. Coming back hot. You crushed it with Howard Beck yesterday. We're going to follow up on some of the stuff and Howard Beck obviously crushed it as well um, in your, in your shadow. But uh, yeah, I want to, I, when in listening to that today, I was like, I was like, Oh my God, there's like so many th- different things to explore from just what Beck threw out there. Cause he's like, you know, an insider and he just, you know, has his ear to the pulse as much as anybody in the whole league. And, and he threw out some Ben Simmons stuff that I'm like, that definitely is a fertile ground for discussing how this offseason could go. I'll tell you, man, like, you know, we've had these discussions around Ben Simmons and around the team. And it's always, again, Howard Beck, if you don't know him, go find him. But I can't imagine if you're an NBA fan that you're not already aware of this guy contributor now to GQ sports, obviously. Um, But when, when, when I brought up the Ben Simmons discussion with him and he introduced this idea that the Brooklyn Nets have at least in doing their due diligence sniffed around the league and said, Hey, what do we think the market is for Ben Simmons? Now we'll get into whether or not there's any market at all, but the mere fact that the Nets are doing that is indicative. I think at least to me about where they are as an organization and also how they feel about Ben Simmons in the short term. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. I'd like to hear this, not because they would have done it, but because it's like maybe becoming publicly known that they're doing it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, and, and you know, people will say, well, any any person could be shopped openly. It's like, well, that's not true, <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, so there's, and there's definitely players on your team that you would never want to be out there that they were even considered to be like, Hey, what's, you know, what's the value on this guy, even if you were doing it and the nets honestly are a really tight lipped organization to begin with. So, um, like there's already pretty hardcore clamps on media information coming out of the Marx regime here. So I, I did find that to be interesting, though, not surprising because like, you know, we talked about many times it w- it's your, it's your duty at this point to figure out like if there is a market for him at all, I, we can discuss whether or not more likely not that there is, but, the fact that it's even on the table out there in the public sphere is really interesting to me and does make me wonder if there's a world where they would stop throwing good money after bad and in the form of figuring out a way to get on the contract off the contract, which would mean throwing in some other stuff, right? As Beck as Beck alluded to, and we've talked about in the past. 
Yeah, and that was, you know, when he mentioned, and it's funny just to, that timeline of, but a moment ago when Ben Simmons was on the Philadelphia 76ers and he used some different players that were, you know, apropos to the time of Bradley Beal for the, for the Wizards. Now that looks differently now, but in the moment it was, oh, maybe a straight up or some pick swaps, et cetera. Fast forward. And, and Beck said, this is, you got to attach stuff to get this guy off of here. It's not just, oh, do you have a bad contract too? We can go ahead and clear some dead weight or give another organization a chance to capitalize on a player who's still relatively young. In that regard, you said not throwing good money after bad. I, I do wonder where the Nets will stand on that. Or And it'll be interesting to see, like, do we get the next wave of information, which would be teams have, it's being reported, teams are telling Brooklyn, you need to attach two first round picks to Ben Simmons to get him off. If it's that, then you'll start to hear the Nets say, we're hoping that Ben Simmons comes back healthy, looking for him to be a part of the team. But if it's any kind of scenario where maybe the Nets could sacrifice a first and a couple of seconds, or maybe a player or two, as we've talked about before, Dorian Finney-Smith, who had some value, or Royce O'Neal, we're not sure where Cam Thomas' status is with the organization or around the league. Maybe there is some flexibility there if you think you can sell a team on the collective assets that you can get in taking what will only be, you know, one more season beyond this upcoming season of having Ben Simmons on your roster. Yeah, I, I think the the timeline on the contract is what makes it the most interesting now because it's not like Ben Simmons is the only – and look, and no, no uh, spoiler alert here. I, the Simmons contract is horrendous. I, like yeah. it is probably pound for pound the worst contract in the league right now. Um, but it's not the only bad contract. And there are other guys out there and other teams who could be incentivized to get off – like longer money on the books for better players now. Like I I can give some examples later. None of these are likely to come to fruition. I just want to like point out that there are like, it's not like Ben Simmons is the only overpaid NBA player relative to skill. Like that's, that's not, that's not the case. Um, and now, what you say he, does the, he does the least with the most, for sure. Right now. <laughs> right. Um, but no one's but earning less like, of their paycheck right now. But. Yeah. but there's been other bad contracts signed relative to dollar for output. And what I wondered about too is because and we'll, at least I can go into those examples, but just on that note that I wonder if there are teams in the league that can, can dream on what was the version of Ben Simmons and say, yes, the contract is bad right now, but we at least have a sample size that says this guy once upon a time, right? And with the age and everything else, maybe he gets back there and you start to look at here's role player guys that got overpaid, right? Here's a guy coming off the bench that is getting more. It's not going to be 30 and $40 million, but if you think that you can take a chance on an upside of a player relative to what you, you have determined to be the ceiling for someone, that's where I think maybe the Nets are trying to play in these waters when you start making you know calls to other teams and trying to figure out, can we cobble together something that, you know, resemble some level of value. And I'll go back to it again. As long as the add-ons aren't that much, I'm getting the impression that the Nets would be willing to give away Ben Simmons for next to nothing just to clear the money. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously like they love, I, I think it's very clear. They love to be on the contract off the contract. And like the thing is too, and which we'll get into a little bit more, like some of like the examples of what I'm talking about, not like trade scenarios, but like worlds where you can start thinking about things happening. The one way, you know, kind of that like one reason the Beck thing wasn't there's two reasons that the Beck reporting wasn't surprising one is because we've watched the Ben Simmons experiment here for the last year so like we know exactly what this has looked like so there's no way to be surprised that the, that the Nets would be like willing to explore some other option here 
I'll go back to something we've talked about for almost like a calendar year now, and eh, maybe a little less. Um, but since the summer, is that you are really hard pressed to find positive things said about Ben Simmons by anybody. <laughs> like, yeah. and, like, and we're we're way down the rabbit hole here on this. Like, we talked about this last summer got like mini dragged for it because it was like, Oh, you know, this guy said this and this, how much positivity have we heard from anybody about this situation? By the way, it's very easy to say nice things. Like it takes nothing to say something nice. Like you can just say something nice. It's a little harder to bite your tongue around something negative, or it's easier to stay silent when it's negative. But like you, there's plenty of times where you are just, you could, because it costs nothing, <laughs> say something nice about a guy if you actually like believed it. We hear nothing like this. Like the Mark yeah. stuff is very, the quotes from Marks are very just like middle of the road. No player ever rings in on his side about anything. Like yeah. we're going on long times with this. And I think like I said it last summer and I stand by it. Like that means something. Silence on this stuff is deafening when it comes to the NBA. Take a, a uh, and actually, in one second, I'll give you I'll give you an example of what I mean on the other side of this because I, I'll yeah. give you another I'll give you a, another side of this that is the perfect actually and it's on the Nets it's from the Nets it's a perfect analog example of like why the silence around Simmons is is really really important I'll get to that in in one second first going to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team it's all about making sure every player. It's a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage. That's the My Garage on eBay. Don't go to my physical garage. I'm not going to have you over there. You want to go to eBay My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items. Only exclusions apply. So before you go into the example uh, that was on the Nets roster uh, previously, I will say the other note around the lack of positivity you know, coming around Ben Simmons' name is – the, the tidbit that I got from Beck as well of like, it's like kind of well understood that maybe 50% of NBA players aren't in it for the passion and love of basketball, as is true in a lot of fields of work, right? Hey, they're cutting me a check, and that means that I show up and I do the job that I've been paid to do. But there's a diminishing return if you're a player who's not as emotionally or mentally invested as, say, a LeBron James, who seems like he might physically need, need to be dragged off the court when his career is said and done. Kobe Bryant was like that, right? Michael Jordan was like that. If you don't have that mentality, well, once you get the big payday, as Ben S Simmons did, it probably gets a lot harder to psych yourself up to get out there on the basketball court. And then there's everything else that's gone on, and I'm not taking away anything from those being real and legitimate elements that have impacted his ability to be on the court. But it does seem to be accumulating in the corner of, yeah, Ben could maybe take or leave this whole endeavor that he calls basketball, knowing that he's got 38 and $40 million checks coming in. Yeah. And like the player I was going to use was Kyrie, like, like, like Kyrie for, you know, things that were out of his control and things that were totally in his control, <laughs> like was off the basketball court and didn't play for long periods of time and was sort of like persona non grata in the media. And plenty of players like were by his side on that stuff. Right. Yeah. Like they, like they stood by him and like public and, 
you know, and the skill won out and like, you know, guys went to bat for him. Not everybody, but people did. And there was like the, the skill was never in question and all this other stuff. Like, so it's not like you ha- can have these situations where other stuff might be affecting it and you still can't get positivity from some corners, yeah. <laughs> right. Coming out to talk yeah. about it. and Kyrie definitely had people in his corner, like uh, for sure. And so, and Simmons, I, I, I'm just, I guess to say, it's like, I'm just not surprised by it because I just think that like, it's, we're just a long time on the team now of not hearing anything of from anyone that yeah. suggests that anyone has like great hope in like what's happening here. By the way, if there's quotes I'm missing, feel free to send them to me. Like I've addressed this before and there was like one Seth Curry coat quote and I put it up there and we talked about it the next podcast. So like if there are stuff out there, it's slipped by me. <laughs> so the, like definitely, definitely want to hear it. Yeah, the last time that I remember there being a real positive sentiment around it, you know, substance was when he first got when he was first coming to Brooklyn and they were talking about not being available for that playoff run. Right. And it was when people are going to talk, talk about Ben Simmons, we're going to go to bat for him. And that was from either Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or some combination of the two. And then he didn't play in the playoffs. Right. And the next time it was positive was out of Ben Simmons own mouth at media day, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll bring this up on a future episode when i uh pull thumbnails for the podcast over on youtube i go in and we have a resource that we can get images from and i looked up media day to get a ben simmons picture if you scroll through the, the images of players that were at media day for the brooklyn nets ahead of this past season it was a cavalcade of guys that no longer exist like Ke- obviously kevin durant kyrie irving you had uh you even had Edmund uh sorry Edmund Summer. I was gonna go with him. Uh Kessler Edwards is there, like dream right. a little dream. Ben Simmons was there and talking very positively about what was gonna happen. So it um sent me down a spiral of how fast life comes at you. But yeah, you're right. There has not been that same thing. Now, do we know that in the in, in sports specifically that the most recent thing you've done matters the most in the hearts and minds of so many? Of course. And if Ben Simmons stepped back on the court and looked like we did this during the season, shows up and gives you a 15 and 10 one game, we go, hey, baby, maybe it's all possible. Then he gives you a two and two performance and you say, maybe not so much, right? So I guess he can turn it around, but it's really hard to squint and see this world where where Ben Simmons reclaims that value. And this is from a guy, we just did an episode when he said maybe he's healthy enough to play for Team Australia, but that within six hours got swept away in the, sorry, not healthy enough, we'll revisit it down the road. Yeah. And so, and, and so starting to think about the Simmons trade market. Right. And so, and like, there's not a lot of realistic trade markets. I'm just gonna be really clear about this. Like there's like, there's no, it's very hard to find like a functioning good. You're never gonna find a good player coming back. Right. Like, but there are worlds, there are players out there. And I'm just going to give examples of like the archetypes of, 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 of ideas around like where Simmons can get traded because going into this new CBA, some of these, some contracts are like really cost prohibitive for teams going forward that there is a world where teams might look at this and be like, Hey, this contract kind of screws us and it goes out way beyond the Simmons contract. Like, and that's, and it goes way beyond the Simmons contract. And if we can take our lumps and get assets back and get off it, we could give a functioning player back, but it's going to be hard to ever like make anything around this player. Sure. Okay. So like um, for the long term, and I want to be very careful. I'm not suggesting any of these teams would do this. Right. But if you just look at like, sort of like maybe questionably rough money going, mm-hmm. can I throw out a couple names to you? Oh yeah. Um, okay. Here's one. This player is going to get paid 
$44 million in 2027-28. Okay. Yeah. This player did not play. This play player barely played at all this season and has long-term injury issues. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not I've got clue me in. Zion Zion Williamson. Oh, baby. Okay. So like right. so he's not Ben Simmons is not getting traded for for Zion Williamson. But if you're the Pelicans, you're like, okay, we get this guy can't stay healthy. Yep. I'm gonna give other examples, by the way. This yep. guy can't stay healthy. We can't, it's hard to build around them. It might be over, blah, blah, blah. Is there another team willing to take like the risk coming back? And we'll be off this other money in one year. That's one guy. Okay. Other guys like this that are going to be like super cost prohibitive later in their career that a team that is, has questionable motives at this, in this timeline, like the Brooklyn, the Nets, like, like Zach Levine, Zach Levine yeah. is a, is a great player. Like, is he a championship level player? Maybe if he's like your third, but that's guy, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he's, is he a great fit with the current Nets? No, he's a player option for 50 million in 26, 27. I bet he picks right? it up. Like, what's that? I bet he picks it up. <laughs> yeah. Like, are the Bulls trading Zach Levine for Ben Simmons? No, probably not. But I'm saying that there's like, I do think it's worth it to start thinking about worlds where the the only, this is hilarious, the only superlative we can give around Simmons is like his money comes off sooner than these other guys. Uh, well, I was like, you're, say, done, right. you're done with the contract earlier and you can just move on with your life. You know, like, and you can move on with a new team. I don't know. Is that make, is that a crazy it, way to think? Like, no, no. It, well, so it's like in the Zion instance in the Pelicans, they still have a lot of young players, right? So when you think about that, you go, well, they can still dream on Zion getting healthy or at least getting to a point where they could trade him, the big hole, all that stuff. But in Levine's instance, when you think about the Chicago Bulls, well, we know, right? They got a lot of age on that team. They've got their other young star in, in ball who can't get onto the court necessarily, right? So like he might be done. He might be the, done. Like his career might be yeah. over. Like he's got like real so career injury risk. A team like that, a franchise like that, that is could be months away from saying, hey, we're going full blow it up, rebuild down to the studs. That's a team that makes a lot of sense to maybe to, to attract a scenario. And to your point, is that happening? Most likely not. But Wanting to not have a player like Levine as a veteran and being the best player on your squad, as opposed to, as you said, the third and clear off, not having to pick up $50 million. Yeah. To be done with this two, three years sooner. Of course, it has to at least be something that teams would consider. And by, by the way, well, and one more thing. And remember like, where the Nets motives are now like, too. like the Nets just signaled clearly like in this last season that they were just like fine being a seven seed. Right. They had a choice. They had a, a clear choice they could have made to like, with this current group that they just could have probably tanked and get in, been in the lottery and they just didn't want to do it. You know, like they, they didn't want to do it. So they have, I, I don't think their, their motivations might just be like playoff or playoffs or bus. I don't know. And like some yeah. of these guys would help with those scenarios. So coming up here in a second, the other thing that we took away from Howard Beck was kind of a little throw in love, love when, when guys of his status just kind of go, by the way, let me drop a little nugget on the way out the door here. And that was regarding Fred Van Fleet and the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, it's been at least rumored that they would be interested should Toronto choose to go in a different direction, having already let go of Nick Nurse. We'll dive in on maybe a potential scenario and whether or not Doug would buy in. Okay. So I mentioned there that Howard Beck, and this is towards the back end of it, and the only reason why I didn't discuss it further with him is because I didn't know that it was a thing. Like, I, I, I didn't know that this was a talking point, potentially. But much like Ben Simmons, you know, the Nets talking to teams around the NBA, engaging the value, Howard mentioned that Fred Van Fleet, a veteran player that's 29 years old, we know Toronto, fired Nick Nurse, maybe things got a little stale, they want to try to, as 
Beck put it, you know, shift things up, mix things up a little bit. What was your initial reaction to that idea? Because on its surface, we've talked about before, small point guards. We know the Nets are a small team. But it's like I remember us discussing this back at the deadline before we knew that it was all going belly up and maybe adding a player like Van Fleet around Kevin Durant or and or Kyrie Irving to see what you could do. I think I, I felt oddly, I was surprised that I felt differently about that potential now. And I wonder if I could paint a scenario that could be a realistic option, a sign and trade being the necessity to make it happen. Like you would want, you would want Van Vliet on the team. You mean? Yeah. Like you would think, yeah. Well, he'd be a clear upgrade over Dinwiddie. I mean, it depends like what you're motivated. I think Van Vliet represents sort of like the opposite of the Simmons situation. It's like, what do you like? What are your goals for your team? Like, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying a second ago is like, are your goals to be like a decent team that wins, is like a 500 team or a little bit above and like is like hovering around the play in. And maybe if you sneak a first round playoff win out of it, like you're kind of excited, mm-hmm. then Van Vliet's that kind of move, right? Like if, if that's the only move, I, I think it's like, yeah, you need a point guard. He can run pick and roll. Like he's, you know, he can get to the rim to some degree. The shooting was kind of bad this year um, for him, but is it like an upgrade on Dinwiddie? Clearly. So, yeah, like I, I can talk about that situation. I, I don't get excited. I would never get excited for a move like that um, on like a championship trajectory at all because I don't right, think that's right, putting right. you anywhere close to that. Um, but it would make them better than they are now. So I guess it just kind of depends like what you want, right? Like if you want to just be like marginally better than you are this year, which are like, by the way, if they played out this current team over the course of the season, I don't think they make the playoffs, right? So like does Van Vliet help you from that standpoint? I, probably. Yeah, and I are you getting excited? I don't know. I, it's... Yeah, and I liked it from the idea because you mentioned this, what everyone would say. It's like, is he better than Dinwiddie? Yes, he is. And if you're even in the short term going to hold on to Spencer Dinwiddie, well, all of a sudden you put Spencer Dinwiddie into a, a preferred role, right? Think about how he expanded his, his game in returning to Brooklyn and plug that in in the second unit instead of being in the starting unit and being that bridge guy that can play off of or put the ball in his hands when you bring Van Fleet off or when you bring Bridges off, right? So it it creates a little bit of depth for your roster. The size thing is a problem. I still want to look at, you know, obviously the draft's going to come up and you hope, as everyone said in the comments, they got to get bigger. You need, yeah, I know they do, but you can't, you know, you don't just go pick off the big guys off the big tree out back and say like, you're our new starting five or you're going to support Nicholas Claxton, all of those things. So it was, what made it interesting to me, I'll tie it into the, the top discussion here with Ben Simmons. It's like, well, you know, can I can I put Ben Simmons in a package going back to Toronto when you attach X number of picks to it? And who else can I can I give you a Cam Thomas in that scenario? Because it does line up of I think to your point, everything that I want to accomplish ahead of when the picks become really fun at the back end from Phoenix and, and from Dallas as well. It, everything up until then is I want to stay competitive and see if I can steal something in the playoffs, right? And that's okay. Because you have the contract with Mikhail Bridges. You assume you're going to bring back Cam Johnson. You're going to have Claxton coming up. And then at 26, 27, 28, 29, like, then you can think about how are we going to roll this over and how are we going to restructure. But up until that point, making smart marginal moves that keeps you in the playoff picture, I think, is the prudent thing to do. And, it, frankly, it aligns with what the Brooklyn Nets have signaled they want to do. And And – and they should because they don't have their picks, right? So it's like whatever. Like what? you should try, they like, they should, <laughs> yeah. right? Like they can't. So it's not even like losing helps them. So I get it. It's not. I I totally understand this part of it. Like they kind of have to play for now to be decent because yeah. they have nothing to sell the fan base. It's like you can't do the OKC thing. It's like hey, 
were going to be bad for, by the way, OKC was bad for like one year or two or two years. Like they were, they were not really bad for a long time. They were just so um, bad. Like, it felt worse. Right? It was so bad that it was, it felt terrible, but they were in the playoffs like three years, two years, three or three years ago. Right. Like right when it's the CP three year. So, but the Nets can't really sell the fan base on that because like losing doesn't help them at all. So they kind of have to win because otherwise it's like worst of all worlds. But, mm-hmm. um, and that's where the Van Vliet move does kind of make sense. It's like, Hey, we got to sell some tickets. It's nice to, it's better for the fans to see you win than lose. <laughs> this guy helps you probably win more games than you lose. And so, and, th- and that's fine. Um, and so I think from that standpoint, moves like this do kind of have legs to them and probably could help other teams that wouldn't mind resetting it and can right. do it under their own timeline. Like, you know, yeah. Toronto that still basically has all of its picks or like whatever. Um, they might just be looking at their situation and be like, hey, this this group's not going to work. It wouldn't be bad to reset these guys. We don't want to pay them all, right? Like, and and we can kind of we can we can control our fate. Like the Nets mm-hmm. can't control their fate except to like try to be okay, right? And the other, like, go ahead. No, and the other thing that I thought was interesting, and, and we're using Fred Van Fleet. There's other guys that fit this piece here. That you know, there's going to be other names like this that you could discuss. And but specifically the point guard position, the other way you can look at this too is. Bring something in, bring somebody in that you have an expectation level for and you have a reliability and a consistency from. And that affords you the ability to look at a Spencer Dinwiddie maybe as the deadline comes up and say, oh, okay, maybe we're not going to extend him. He's in the final year and we had some guaranteed money, but we can get some capital back, right? We're going to talk about this the same way with a Dorian Finney-Smith, with a Royce O'Neal. You have to be kind of doing the both ends, staying competitive from a roster construction standpoint and then being open, being flexible to finding out what could be out there for you potentially. And, and frankly, Fred Van Fleet, from a pedigree standpoint, adds to what you want to accomplish here. Nobody else on this roster has the track record that Fred, Fred Van Fleet does. And yeah, is that some cliche nonsense stuff to throw up on the wall? Maybe. But but again, like that's what the Nets, the Nets want that. They want to feel legitimized by something. And, and a guy like Fred Van Fleet does do that for you. So I, I, I'd be very curious to to see what experts and, you know, capologists would say about trying to package something with Ben Simmons to acquire a Fred Van Fleet or otherwise. What does that all look like? Because you're adding up, what's that player value cost in a sign and trade? And what does it cost to move off of Ben Simmons? And that's where I think the tipping point could come on this of, well, now we're talking about three or four first round picks and some players, et cetera. Those could be waters that Sean Marks and the Nets are unwilling to go in the short term knowing they have this long runway to what could be an eventual full reset. Yeah. And I think that like, and just with all these moves, like I think that the the other, and just to wrap it in the Simmons thing back into like the Van Vliet thing, I, like the yeah. one other problem with Simmons here, like in moves like this is actually, I actually wonder about how much teams would think about doing it, doing it if it was like just a dollars and cents move and it wasn't like Ben Simmons attached to it like if it was kind of like anybody else honestly <laughs> like I, I wonder if like this like the negative perception around him around the league right now might be such that like that part of it is even adds into the bad part of the contract which is already built into how bad the contract is but like you any gm that did that would have to be so freaking secure in their job like like you know Jiri <laughs> is like that i'm not again yeah. i'm not saying they're gonna do it but like these guys cannot be worried that this move would get them fired even if they thought like in a dollars and cents move, like sending this guy on a sign and trade and bring in this, this terrible asset back, even though it, like other things were attached, like picks and players, yeah. or, like whatever else. Right. Like you, you, there's another layer of this where you have to be so secure in your gig because you get roasted. 
yeah. <laughs> like if you if you tra- if you traded for well, him, like you would, yeah. Just like there's no way around it. Even if you got a ton of other good stuff back and gave away whatever, like you would get roasted because that's where Simmons's kind of name is now. And for those watching on YouTube, before Doug gets roasted by the sunshine coming in the window uh, here, yeah, we'll get I, out I, the I, door. I, <laughs> but it's don't, you don't have to explain it away, Doug. Um, yeah, I got well, this. Uh, I usually set this up because I got a window in front of me, but uh, in uh, this part of the, the office. But um, and I we usually don't do it. There's time time of day, and I have a thing, but I don't want to stand up in the middle of the video. So you get a little see burn. how the, the the sun sausage gets made here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was gonna let's get out the door. I might be a quotable. He's back, boys, and he's in prime form. Yeah. Um, I, I may have even lost the thing that I was gonna say about Ben Simmons. All right, what do you think is most likely? Do you think that the most likely outcome? Because you said about. The, the negativity attached to this player, depending on who you are as a GM around the league, does it then become most likely that Ben Simmons is just there on the roster? Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. And the following year, the Nets go, what's the buyout? I mean, it's the Russell Westbrook. And Franklin, Russell Westbrook didn't have any questions about is he dedicated to playing. It's whether or not he was good enough to you know be playing and at that price point. He got bought out and then he signed somewhere else. Like that now starts to creep in as being maybe the most likely scenario if you're the Nets and you're saying – we're not that desperate to unload the money off of our books and we can ride this thing out for one more season and then settle on X number, whatever it may be in the final year of the contract and be done with it without sacrificing any capital or players that we want to definitely retain. Yeah. I would say the buyout is like the least likely scenario only because remember these guys that get bought out is because the contracts are bad, but they want to, they're like still functional players that want to go win. And they know when they get bought out, they're going to get bought out to like, and they're going to go be, they're going to go get added to a team that can like sort of win now. So I'll give you the, right, the guys that got bought out. This, bought out. Right. Right. Like the guys who got bought out this year were like Westbrook. Great. He got bought out of that situation. Stunk the Clippers signed him right away. Kevin Love got bought out. Right. Like, and got signed by the heat and is actually like playing Terrence Ross got bought out. I think. Right. And he, he went, went right to the Suns. Like these guys are like, they know they're on young teams or like, or the Westbrook situation is a little different, but like, their role in the team is gone, but they're like veterans. They've gotten all their money. Cause remember when you get bought out, you don't get your, they're not buying you out for your full contract. You're coming to some kind of agreement on like, on not all the money getting paid out. Cause you're going to go get signed somewhere else. Like it's, if it's, the situation's that bad, Simmons is not going to leave any money there. Right. <laughs> right? Like, so right. I, 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 that's where I think the buyout is like an unlikely scenario. I, I kind of think it's a miracle. Westbrook got brought out. I bought out. I think it's only because it's only because he knew like his, his, own personal stock was already so much in the toilet and he was going to probably knew he was going to get signed by someone else. But like the, I just think the buyout situation, typically that market is for like long-term bets who still have a little gas in the tank. And, and I'm not sure Simmons fits that on the Westbrook point to you to that point, he was doing, he had done such a damage to his basketball reputation w- there with the Lakers that by accepting the buyout, he's, he's reset himself, not for a $40 million contract, but he at least reset himself to be making more money here coming out of this Clippers season, as opposed to coming off of a, coming off of the Lakers run. You don't know, right? You don't know what that would look like for him going forward. There's not a lot of worlds where Ben Simmons takes it and says, because I can see $25, $30 million back on the books. I know I mentioned this the other day, but that was a long time ago, 24 to 36 hours ago. We live in a new world. We don't need to stop go back into the Simmons for $30 million thing again. That was already, uh, we already almost undid ourselves. Okay, we're going to get out of here. I do, I do think it's worth it. Go take a look around the league for some of these other contracts. I, I kind of like I'm talking myself into the scenarios like this. There are other contracts out there. Maybe we'll kind of make a little list. Maybe the Zion one's got me fascinated because I actually do wonder it is like about like what everyone's if everyone took truth serum 
like what they would what they would say about these situations like um anyway we'll get out of here uh make sure you subscribe over on youtube much appreciate all the comments uh thanks again if he's listening here to howard beck who jumped on the show gave us all this great stuff to kind of work off of uh one of the best in the business adam crushed the interview obviously uh so make sure you uh subscribe over to lockdown nets over on youtube you know, for once, maybe someone will call me sir without adding, you're making a scene. Homer J. Simpson. Ah, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.